The Coram Deo Church community is a missional church rooted in historic, biblical Christianity and committed to cultural engagement. We hope the message you are about to hear spurs you to deeper reflection on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening. Our scripture this morning is Psalm 42. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forsaken me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God, the word of God for the people of God. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to be here with you. My name is Mike, and I have the pleasure of being on staff and preaching Psalm 42 to you. You may have noticed, if you had your Bible open, which if you have a pew Bible, 439 is where we can find Psalm 42. Uh, you'll saw, you saw the page header. It says, book two. And uh, if you don't know, the Psalms are sectioned off into five separate sections. And as we wrap up our summer series today in the Psalms, we are turning the page into this new book, this new section. And there's some fun Bible geek stuff that we could dive into to like, unpack some of that. We're not going to do that today. Um, but simply, I just want to point out, we are a fifth of the way through the Psalms. Uh, yeah, four-fifths to go. Um, but it's been a fun journey this summer. 
recently, just about a month ago, uh, my family and I were with some extended family in Estes Park, Colorado. And ever since I was a kid, I've loved going to Colorado. The trees and the mountains and the rivers and everything that Colorado has to offer us Nebraskans. Um, I, I just get overwhelmed every time I'm there. And every morning when I, when, uh, this summer when we were there, I would start my morning early before the sun rose above the mountains and I'd crack open my Bible and I would just sit there in silence. And this one particular morning, this deer or this baby elk walked up the ravine, as you see here in this photo, and just stood right in front of me, obviously. And it turned its head away from me and saw some folks eating breakfast at a picnic table and went over to them. And elk, I guess, in Estes Park are pretty tame. Uh, they're used to humans feeding them, I guess. Um, and so this, this elk was, was pretty chill. And this same morning, as this deer is walking up to me, or this elk is walking up to me, I was reading Psalm 42 and prep for this sermon right here. As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Now, when I hear those opening words for Psalm 42, my imagination goes to places like this thinking of the famished deer running through the woods, thirsty, finding a brook in a stream and stopping to take a drink. It's peaceful. It's serene. Something you'd find on a print that you could buy on Etsy or at your local Christian bookstore. If those exist anymore, I don't know. But in reality, this psalm is intense. It's full of anguish. When shall I come and appear before God. My tears have been my food. They say to me, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? All of your breakers and your waves have gone over me. My God, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go on mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These are the words to a song written by a sad emo church kid. <laughs> a lot like myself. I still resonate with the sad church kids. I feel like the writer of Psalm 42 gets me because throughout various seasons of my own life, I too have experienced turmoil, feeling cast down, feeling like God has forgotten in other words, I've struggled with being spiritually discouraged. Have you struggled with spiritual discouragement? Or maybe you know somebody who has or is. God feels distant and silent. The words on the pages of Scripture feel empty. You don't want to eat. It seems like everyone is against you, and when people try to encourage you, their words fall flat. You can't decipher the messages that you're hearing in your own head. Are they, are they your own thoughts? Are they the Holy Spirit? Or are they just trite platitudes that you've learned at church? Everything feels heavy. And the only comfort seems like a cold, dark room where you can fall asleep. I wonder if many of us have learned to make peace with our own spiritual discouragement. 
and remaining in this discouraging place feels like a warm blanket that we can take refuge in. But here's the problem. If we wallow too long, spiritual discouragement becomes a straitjacket, which chokes out the life and the joy and the freedom of the gospel. Lifeless, burdened, joyless, these are not how God wants his children to live. These are not characteristics of a Godward life. Now, uh, in prep for this sermon, I've been reading this fantastic book by Martin Lloyd-Jones called Spiritual Depression. If you find this book on Amazon now, it has a real cheesy cover on it. I had to go back to 1971 in the depths of the internet to find this really cool cover. So I suggest that you go find this book and read it with this cover or something like this. He says in this book, in a sense... A depressed Christian is a contradiction of terms. If the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness, then spiritual discouragement is not the norm. We mustn't stay discouraged. And the Psalms map out for us a way to move beyond our spiritual discouragement. And as we open up Psalm 42 today, I long for Cormdeo Church to be a people who are unwilling to remain unhappy and who fight their way out of spiritual discouragement. I want us to be a people full of joy and freedom in the way that makes the gospel of Jesus unignorable in our neighborhoods and in our city, even in our homes, in our own hearts. So here's what Psalm 42 shows us. It shows us the reality of spiritual discouragement and the cure for spiritual discouragement. Let's look at the reality first. Psalm 42, verse 5, asks the question, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Friends, spiritual discouragement is real. You can be in middle school or in high school. You can be the oldest person in the room. You can be a young Christian or a mature follower of Jesus. You can wrestle with spiritual discouragement. Maybe you know someone who is struggling with it now. Despair and depression are realities that we need to acknowledge in others and even in ourselves. And spiritual discouragement isn't just a matter of emotions and feelings. It goes down deep into our souls. Our soul is what separates us from the rest of God's creation. You have a soul, and you'll hear us talk about it often. There are rules for the soul. You can't pretend that what you experience in life doesn't affect your soul. To thrive as a human being, you must take your soul seriously. In his moment of discouragement, the psalmist asks the question, why are you cast down, O my soul? Those of you who are cast down today, have you paid attention to the why? Have you asked yourself, why are you in the dumps, O my soul? 
Using Psalm 42 as our guide, I want to I show us some causes of spiritual discouragement. And the first one I want us to consider this morning is our circumstances. Let's read Psalm 42, verses 1 through 4. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go to, with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. He's remembering when he would go to be with God and his people, but he's removed, he's exiled, he's separated, and he's discouraged. I too remembering have a deep, having a deep sadness similar to this a few years ago. The weekend of March 15th, 2020, churches all over our city had to shut down. And me and my family lived right down the street at the time, and so I was first on the list to go, hey, Mike, we need you to print some signs and put them on the door. We're close. Standing at the Xerox machine, crying, because God's people couldn't gather in here and worship him. I was overwhelmed with sadness because thousands of people all over our city wouldn't be able to hear the gospel, sing the gospel, partake in the gospel at the Lord's table. The doors were closed. We were separated from being with God's people. And even though, even though the, the doors opened back up a few months later, I had allowed myself to go into hyper-introspection and the majority of the last two years, I've struggled with discouragement, depression, feeling lonely, having an immense uh, amount of fear and a baseline lack of joy in a lot of things. What about you? What circumstances have caused you to be discouraged? It's important to remember that, that Christians are not immune to experiencing difficulties when circumstances and earthly comforts fail us. Psalm 42 and other scriptures give us a clear uh, picture of that. And, and God's word gives us permission to voice our complaint, to voice our lament and give words to our discouragement and ask the question, oh my soul, what circumstances have you, have you cast down? Another cause of discouragement is our sin and unbelief. Look at Psalm 42, verse 3 again. My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? He's beginning to hear that inner voice that we all have taunt him. Let's jump to verse 9, the first half. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me. He's beginning, the psalmist is beginning to listen to the discouraging words of his inner voice, his inner critic. His emotions and feelings are beginning to rule the conversation of the soul. Martin Lloyd-Jones says it like this, the psalmist had forgotten God so that his faith and his belief in God and in God's power and in his relationship to God were not 
what they ought to be. Where we begin to let unbelief rule the conversation in our soul, we begin to let sin rule our hearts. Our sinful behaviors are always influenced by some deep soul, heart level unbelief in God. Recently, my wife and I were reflecting on how both of us are prone to strive to live on a specific island. Bob, a couple weeks ago, introduced this idea that we're all striving for an island that we strive to get to. Ours is the island of stability and abundance. And yet, a vehicle always seems to be breaking. Raising a growing family seems to cost more and more. Our savings and investments never grow to the amount that we need or desire them to be. In just this past few weeks, I've been in a place of discouragement about these things. You see, I, I have a deep fear of scarcity, not, not having enough, feeling that, fearing that I'm not going to have enough. And that, that goes way back to when I was a child. But we're not going to unpack that. We'd be here way too long. And so I begin to grow anxious and angry and ungenerous with the resources that God has given me. My kids experience me as a tyrant about turning off the lights in the house, shutting off the basement light when they're playing and saying, get a flashlight. We're not running the lights today. <laughs> At the root of it, I've forgotten God. I've become discouraged. I'm not believing that God will provide for all of my needs. Instead of hearing Jesus' voice and responding to his invitation to not be anxious, I'm allowing my emotions and that nagging inner voice to dominate the conversation in my soul. Where is your God? What about you? What sins, what areas of unbelief are causing you to be discouraged? Have you asked the question, oh my soul, what sins, what unbelief are casting you down? The third cause of discouragement that we should consider is our enemy. Let's look at Psalm 42, verses 9 and 10. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go on mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Lloyd-Jones says there is no end to the ways in which the devil produces spiritual depression. Our adversary is opposed to our spiritual flourishing. The devil wants you to remain discouraged. He knows that if circumstances and life can be discouraging to us, he can use that to bring a damaging unbelief to our souls. Like he deceived Adam and Eve in the garden, he too wants to deceive you and devour you and destroy your faith in the Lord. Where the devil said in the garden, did God really say? He says to you, is God really there? This oppression from the enemy breeds discouragement and attempts you to blame God 
to turn from him and to forget him and his promises. What about you? How is the enemy causing you to be discouraged? Have you asked the question, oh my soul, how has your adversary cast you down? What the psalmist is doing here in the psalm is the basic work of thoughtful introspection. He's asking his own soul, why are you cast down? He's pondering about his discouragement and trying to understand why it's there and where it comes from. But we don't like to slow down and take the time to do this, do we? We would rather distract ourselves or isolate ourselves from others or medicate ourselves rather than face the realities of our own soul. So when you find yourself spiritually discouraged, you should do some introspection. And as a leader in this church, I ask you, I plead with you, would you do this work? Would you ask yourself these hard questions? Why are you cast down, oh my soul, and not be afraid of the answers that come? Now that we've seen the reality of spiritual discouragement, I want to look at the cure for spiritual discouragement. And when I say the cure, I don't mean that if you partake in the cure, you're never going to struggle with discouragement again. But rather what I'm saying is the cure, it's a, it's a deep relief that comes, that will lift you out of your momentary discouragement and help you not stay there as long as last time. It's something that you can practice and take on as a follower of Jesus. So the cure. Finding relief from your discouragement isn't a passive exercise. We're not sitting around waiting for God to, to make us feel better about ourselves. You are an active participant in the movement away from discouragement. And you do this by actively hoping. In Psalm 42, verses 5 and 11, each time the psalmist asks the question, why are you cast down? He responds to his soul. He answers his soul with hope. Hope in God. Check out Lloyd-Jones' thoughts about what the psalmist is doing here. He says, now the psalmist's treatment was this. Instead of allowing the self to talk to him, he starts talking to himself. And you might be thinking, that's weird. I don't look people in the eye when I see them talking to themselves. It freaks me out. It is weird, but it's a little bit different than that. Don't we all have that inner voice, that inner conversation, that inner dialogue going on in our hearts? Most of the time, that voice is usually accusing you, it's stirring doubt. It feels like it's constantly criticizing you. Lloyd-Jones continues, his soul has been depressing him, crushing him. He stands up and says, self, listen for a moment, I will speak to you. You have to take yourself by the hand. You have to address yourself, preach to yourself, question yourself, and say, hope thou in God. Here's the cure. Instead of listening to yourself, you have to start talking to yourself. 
You must take your discouraged soul by the proverbial faith and speak gospel truth to it. How do you do this? How do we preach the gospel to ourselves? Preaching the gospel to your soul is the prayerful proclamation of God's promises to yourself. Preaching the gospel to your soul is the prayerful proclamation of God's promises to yourself. As you're praying and talking with God through your discouragement, you must also proclaim the promises of God to your soul, placing your faith in God and trusting him that he's going to do something. It may go something like this. I wrote this prayer for myself and I want to share it with you. Dear God of my life, I long to be close to you, but I feel far away. My sadness and discouragement is heavy. Darkness feels like my only friend, but I know your scriptures tell me that you know me better than I know myself. Lord Jesus, you know the pain I'm carrying. You know the sin I've committed. You know how my enemy attacks me. You know my anxious thoughts. And your work on the cross has covered it all. Oh, my soul, this darkness I feel is not dark to the God of life. Oh, my soul, hope in him because I know things will turn around. Discouragement will dissipate. Joy will return. And you will feel the presence of God again because the Lord Jesus resurrected from the dead and God has made his home in me through the Holy Spirit. Oh, merciful God, I believe this, yet help my unbelief. Preaching the gospel to your soul is the prayerful proclamation of God's promises to yourself. And in this hopeful practice, by faith, we trust, that we trust in God and we actually expect that he will save us, that he will help us. I want to look at the last half of verse 5, but we're going to look at it in the King James Version. Did anybody bring their King James Bible this morning? Good. I put it on the screens for us. So King James offers a different translation and some nuance to the passage that we don't have in the ESV. So let's look at the screens together. It says, I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. In your spiritual discouragement, God's countenance, his face, is turned towards you in a favorable, gracious disposition. He is not disapproving. He is not ashamed of you. Your discouragement is not too heavy for him. In the light of God's glorious face, the dark clouds of discouragement begin to burn away. And it's when you lift up your eyes off of yourself, off of your circumstances, and behold the face of God, you can anticipate his help and his salvation. You can't behold the face of God without being with God. You can't behold the face of God without being with God. Lloyd-Jones says it this way. What I must do is go to Christ I must spend my time with him. I must meditate upon him. I must get to know him. I must maintain my contact and communion with Christ, and I must concentrate on knowing him. I must do what he tells me, both to do and not to do. I must read the Bible. I must practice the Christian life and live it 
in all its fullness. This isn't merely doing your devotions every morning, but, but rather devoting your whole self, mind, body, and soul to look upon God as he's revealed himself in the scriptures. This is devoting yourself to abide in Christ and to commune with the living God. And this is the one way our, the, our enemy doubles down on our discouragement, isn't it? He makes us believe that our circumstances are too complex or our sinful, unbelieving heart is too broken to commune with God. But here's what's true. God hears the cries of his people. And friends, scripture in prayer is the only way that you are able to commune with God and know his promises and be able to speak them to your heart. In our ESV Bibles, verses 5 and 11 are the same. They read the same. But 11 in the King James Version reads a little differently. It says this, I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Those of you who are discouraged or have been discouraged know that it's hard to hide your discouragement. No matter what you do, you can't mask the dis discouragement from showing on your face or being seen in your body language. The thing I uh, dislike the most about feeling discouraged is the way it affects my presence with people. I've hurt my wife being discouraged and letting it just kind of rule me. I've been unkind to my kids. People often say to me, Mike, is everything okay? You're kind of quiet. You seem morose. You're looking a bit like Eeyore today. Everybody know who Eeyore, Eeyore is, Winnie the Pooh? I lost my tail. That's me. But every single time, I take my eyes off my circumstances, off my failures, and turn to commune with God and behold his face, my face changes. My disposition changes. The way people experience my presence in the room changes. God brings help and salvation to my whole self, body and soul. Now, as Lloyd-Jones says, I'm not suggesting we should perpetually have that inane grin upon our faces that some people think is essential to the manifestation of true Christian joy. You need not put anything on. It will be there. It cannot help expressing itself because he is the health of my countenance. You don't need to fake it. You only need to lift your eyes and behold the one true living God who can truly save you from your spiritual discouragement. And in time, he will change you. In time, he will change your face, bring health to your face, to your disposition. Now, I would like to testify that I still get spiritually discouraged from time to time. I have dark days and I have light days. Walking with the Lord is not a life free from discouragement, but it is a life of dependence. And so for all of us, 
May Psalm 42 be an example of what godly people do when they are discouraged. May we acknowledge our discouragement to God and and not desire to stay there. May we actively hope in God as the deer longs for water. May we desire deep communion with God, the God who is our help and our salvation. Let's pray. Most holy triune God, you are the God of all life in light. I ask you, Lord, to overwhelm the darkness of discouragement in me and in others. For you command your steadfast love. Even in the darkness of night, your song is with us. May we sing the song of hope. May we remember the gospel in the dark times. May the gospel, the true gospel, not be trite, not be empty. But Holy Spirit, may the words of truth that we find in scriptures that you've spoken to us be powerful, be true, and be changing to us. May we be a people who take our souls seriously and eagerly pursue communing with you, the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.